At photographycourse.net, you'll be able to swap your expertise with other photographers, make light instead of wishing for it, expand your portfolio, and receive feedback from professionals, all of which will develop your artistic eye. Photographycourse.net offers an abundance of premium courses and challenges for participants at every stage of their journey, from technical settings for portrait photography, to landscape composition tricks, to how to start your own photography business, we have everything you need to start shooting confidently. You can work at a pace that suits you. Our 52-week project challenge will provide you with the educational resources, encouragement, and support that you need to take great photographs every week. You can join us at any time as our themes are evergreen. You can also start by shooting every day and learning something new with our 365 Days of Photography course. Led by an industry expert who has mentored over 10,000 students, this course will help you take your photography skills to the next level with daily, bite-sized videos. Throughout the process of learning, you'll have access to a community that will provide you with inspiration and motivation. Get encouragement from other photographers every single day. Our current limited time offer comes with a special discount code exclusive to the listeners of this podcast. Get 50% off your first year as a premium member. Claim this discount by going to photographycourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST. Come join photographycourse.net and capture more than just a moment. Hello everyone, my name is Taya and I'm the host of Great Big Photography World Podcast, where we interview notable photographers in the industry, give advice on a wide variety of topics, and provide tips for beginners and professionals alike. In this episode, I speak with Daniela Rivera Antara, who is a photojournalist, documentary photographer, and storyteller from Peru. We talk about how she connects with her models as a photojournalist, what it's like taking photographs in difficult situations, and much more. Please enjoy. We have an amazing community at photographycourse.net where you can meet new people, receive constructive criticism, join photography contests, and much more. In our community, you'll also find a 52-week project that will provide you with weekly educational videos and challenges to help you improve your skills on a regular basis. This is an amazing opportunity for you to not only enhance your skills, but also grow your network and have a wholesome experience as a photographer. We're so inspired by the amazing photographs that our members post every day. When you join our community, you'll be able to make new friends and share your progress with a passionate group of people. None of this would be possible without our members' support, so we're very grateful. In order to keep things running, we're offering exclusive membership plans that will give you access to every part of our community and our premium courses. Use the discount code GREATBIGPHOTOGRAPHYWORLD to get 50% off your first year as a member. Go to photographycourse.net slash join and use the code GREATBIGPHOTOGRAPHYWORLD without any spaces to claim your discount. Hi, Daniela. Welcome to Great Big Photography World podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. Please introduce yourself to the listeners. Hi, Taya. I'm so glad to be here as well. So I'm Daniela. Full name is Daniela Rivera Antara. I'm from Peru and I have been working as a, a photojournalist slash documentary photographer slash storyteller for the last three to four years. Beautiful introduction, and I think mm -hmm. it's so cool that you specialize in so many different things. So being a photojournalist slash documentary photographer, storyteller, 
all of these things, all these interests that you have, they contribute to your work and they make it really unique, in my opinion. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start with camera equipment. Let's get the technical stuff out of the way for anyone who's curious. Uh, what camera gear do you use? I've been working with a Sony A7R3. And I'm, I use a 35 millimeter lens and sometimes a 24. Mm -hmm. I've never used a Sony camera, but I've heard great things about Sony as a brand in general. So it's definitely a camera that I would like to try using one day. Honestly, it's, it, it's one of the best decisions I made switching from Canon to Sony. I'm really happy because of the image quality, the depth of field, how gentle the colors are. And you can really play around with the camera settings to make your image look very unique. And don't get me even started with how small it is. It's perfect. So I really, I love it. Mm, okay. So it's smaller than your average camera, right? Yes. Yes, okay. I would say so. Perfect. Yeah, I love small cameras. I wish I had a mirrorless camera, honestly, because then I would take my camera with me everywhere because mine is a head, especially if I use a bigger lens. <laughs> <laughs> That's the story of everyone. <laughs> yes, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. You interned at The Guardian in the Global Development Desk, and you also worked with the Observer New Review before going into photography. What was your experience like working for those companies? It was very eye-opening because, first of all, I never thought that I would get an internship at a company like The Guardian. It was very eye-opening because it showed me how, how the industry isn't that big, really. And we get so much information from these news sources. And one would think that they are larger or filled with, I, I, I don't know what I thought, but it's just, it was really eye-opening to know that you can be in such a small space with people that are really shaping the way the whole world understands the rest of the world. And that was fascinating. I can imagine that it was fascinating. Yeah, I've never thought about that myself, but it's true. There's these huge companies and they work in a specific office or in a specific area together, and then the rest of the world consumes what they produce. It's very powerful, and I can understand why it was eye-opening for you. So this was before you got into photography. Were you already interested in photography at the time, or did the job awaken your interest in photography? I had already been doing photography, but I never thought of it as something that I could use. I just used it because I loved making images and I had fun photographing the places I went to or my friends or people I met. But at The Guardian, one of my bosses told me that my photos looked like paintings and that they looked very unique. And he really wanted me to be a photojournalist. It was through his encouragement that I thought, okay, I've never thought of this, why not give it a shot? Mm -hmm. That's amazing yeah. that you had somebody sort of like a mentor in a way who encouraged you to try photojournalism and to specialize in that. That's really nice to have someone who can guide you in a way. Yeah, it was really lucky because it was also through him that I got the opportunity to know what it was like to write for a newspaper 
and then he kept on we kept in touch basically and throughout the last years every new project that i make i share it with him and we always chat and he gives me some feedback and it's really honestly it's really good to have that constant back and forth instead of it being lonely so you've lived in many different countries as you said in your introduction you're from Peru and you've lived in Sydney and now you're in London how has traveling to different countries and being immersed in different cultures affected your life as a photographer so more than it affecting my life as a photographer it's really opened my eyes as a person and that's something that a lot of the people in my field storytelling which is which kind of separates itself a bit from documentary and photojournalism everyone talks a lot about you're human first and then you're a photographer for me it's been more i i'm a naturally empathetic person but being exposed to so many other cultures and to so many different ways of living has just given me this world view of you know like curiosity and not really jumping into conclusions constantly wanting to learn from others instead of stereotyping or or assuming that certain things are because that's just the way a group of people are so i think it's really given me i don't know if the word is tolerance i think it's made me a more understanding and curious person and that's an important skill to have as a photojournalist because as you said you're very empathetic and so that's crucial when you cover stories that might be sensitive and we'll get more into the projects that you've worked on later but as a photojournalist you have to put yourself in difficult situations and you have to be open minded in order to take authentic photographs i think yeah you are very good at creating emotions in your work you really focus on creating something that can resonate with the viewer in your work and i think that's very difficult to achieve i would love to know how you achieve that when documenting difficult situations in the world right now it's turned into a bit of a gut instinct but if i think of it consciously i think more along the lines of if i was this person how would i want to be viewed or perceived it's hard because when you're going in as a journalist you're obviously in a position in which you're not really necessarily not always you're not necessarily living through the situation that the person you're writing about is living through and that can really show like it's not power imbalance but it's it can show how you're just separated from who they are i think one of the main things to convey emotion and humanity in images is to be aware of the emotions and the humanity of the person that you're interviewing or photographing instead of approaching them as a subject which is what a lot of people in in photography talk about like a lot of there's a lot of talk about how to photograph the subject or make them look in a specific way or trying to maybe capture a moment where they're not really paying attention but then a lot of consideration needs to go into that because 
it could be someone in a really, really terrible situation. And then necessarily, like, if you put yourself in their position, maybe you wouldn't want to be photographed crossing a border without shoes or freezing or crying. You know, maybe you would want to be portrayed in a more humane way. So I think that that is something that is very important, at least for me, when it comes to difficult situations. Because I don't think it's hard to take an image that elicits an emotion in someone else, but it is difficult to portray an image that brings you in. And I think that's more important. It's a very interesting perspective. And I agree with you. It's definitely more ethical to consider your subject's feelings when you photograph them, especially as a photojournalist. And if you objectify them and you just do it for the shot, then you will create that distance between yourself and the subject. And it can also make things less ethical because you're just using someone to tell a story. But if you try to understand them and try to think or do your best to think from their point of view, then it can really help you take better photographs and also develop a better relationship with the subject because then they'll feel that you are trying to help them and you're being thoughtful. You're not just there to take photographs of them. Well, the thing is, sometimes you have just five minutes. So you don't really have time to build a relationship. But the way you approach someone really reflects in your images. So I guess a relatable example would be when I'm speaking to my to a family member like my mom, I will speak to her differently than the way I would speak to a stranger. Whereas what I try to do is how would I approach this person if they were really dear and important to me instead of, oh, this is just one more person going through a tragedy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's nice. And I'm sure even if it's five minutes, it can make a big difference the way that you communicate with the subject. If you do it in a loving way, as you just said, then they'll feel more comfortable in front of the camera because yeah, those people are going through a difficult time. And if there's someone taking photos of them, they may or may not feel comfortable. So how the photographer interacts with them is super important, even if it's just for five minutes. Yeah, yeah. Our online photography community is a place where you can grow your skills and learn something new every single day. If you want to join conversations like this one and connect with like-minded photographers from across the world, you're in the perfect place. We have a special discount code for our podcast listeners. We're offering 50% off your first year as an extraordinary or limitless member. Go to photographycourse.net slash join to claim your discount with the code greatbigphotographyworld. You have also photographed the crisis in Venezuela. What was that experience like for you as a photographer? So I photographed the migration crisis in Peru. Uh, So the Venezuelan migrants coming into Peru. And I approached it in a very similar way to what I just explained. The work was very quiet. It didn't focus on them walking or it, it was focused on women and mostly young women and it was mostly on their emotional experience not so much the kind of things that they were living through after arriving to peru and that was 
that was hard. It took a long time because it took a lot for me to feel comfortable. And it took a lot for them to feel comfortable with me and my camera. Yeah, it was a long process. I don't know if you have any specific things you would want to, to hear about it because it was it was a lot. <laughs> it was a lot. I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah, it's people going through a difficult time and you're there with a the camera. And of course, it's going to feel uncomfortable for everybody involved. And I guess it takes time to really understand what kind of photos you want to take and understand the people that you're photographing. Yeah, it's, it's a difficult balance to strike, but those situations, they really strengthen your skills and intuition as a photographer, right? It's uncomfortable, but then you get the hang of it and then you improve and you're able to tell better stories. Well, it was, I knew from the start that I, I didn't want to make the classic images that we see all the time about migration. That was something I knew very clearly. I also didn't want to focus on on the poverty that they were living through, like the just this insane lack that they were living through. So for me, from the very beginning, I knew that I wanted the images to be rooted in the research that comes from journalism, but not in the approach that journalism has. Because it tends to be very descriptive, very on your face about what's, what they're living through. And I, I wasn't interested in that because I didn't think that would help understand what it is like to live through forced migration. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of the work was actually constant conversations with the women I photographed. And we would just talk about everything, like what they studied, what their family was like, everything, everything that you would normally talk about with your friends. And based off from that, I would tell them, okay, this is really interesting because we can highlight this part of you, who you are as a woman within the context of what you're living through. So it became like this back and forth with them. It wasn't just me making decisions. It was also them going like, yeah, I feel comfortable like this. Um, Actually, yes, I want to tell this traumatic thing that happened to me because it might help other women as well. So that was was a part of it, definitely. Mm -hmm. So connecting with your subjects, asking them questions, again, as you said earlier, making them feel like they're loved and like they're family members of yours. Uh, That all led to such an unforgettable experience, I'm sure, for you as well. I would call it a collaboration. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I would call it. Yeah, collaboration. And that's perfect because having this approach as a photojournalist, very collaborative and open and loving, that can help you tell the best story, in my opinion. And then you also have that feeling inside that you you did the right thing and you were able to maybe make someone feel better about themselves through your work or at least given them the opportunity to feel like they have some control over the images that are taken of them. So collaboration is definitely more powerful than, you know, just taking photos of people. Yeah. Photographycourse.net is a place where you can find an abundance of photography inspiration in different forms like premium courses, articles, video tutorials, editing resources, and much more. We have a thriving community where you can meet new people, receive constructive criticism, 
and discover new ideas every single day. Here is a message from one of our top community members, Robert Horton. Hi, my name is Rob. I specialize in wildlife photography and landscape photography. I'm a member of photographycourse.net online community. I like the community because you get some fantastic ideas and some great feedback. So take your photography to the next level by clicking the link in the description. That's what I did and I haven't looked back. If you want to join our online community, go to photographycourse.net and enter the coupon code PODCAST to get 50% of your first year as a premium member. We talked earlier about your approach to connecting with subjects, that you make them feel loved and that you also ask questions. Uh, I'm sure that's very inspiring to anyone who wants to get into photojournalism. Is there any other advice you would give to aspiring photojournalists? Something that I was told a lot was that it's every single subject has been done before, but no one has really approached a topic or a story through your own eyes. And I think that is important because it's true that every single thing that exists has already been told. <laughs> and there can be this weird feeling of competition or this energy of, oh my God, if I'm not the first person to do this breaking news, whatever, then I'm, I won't ever have a future. And I think that's not true. I think it's more valuable to go deep into who you are as a person and be like, okay, what do I feel committed to? And what am I willing to try? Knowing that everything has already been done before, but maybe I could offer a different perspective. But I'm also talking about through a more storytelling side of photojournalism, because then there's another side of photojournalism that is less reflective, less self-reflective. And not that either or is good or bad, but it really depends on the type of work that you want to be making and what resonates more with you. Okay, you made a good point because everyone has their own preferences and some mm -hmm. photographers might like both styles, others might like a specific one. So before you venture into the world of photojournalism, I think it's good to go through a little self-reflection and understand what exactly it is that you want to tell and how you want to tell it. And yeah, what you said is completely true. I agree with you. It can be quite competitive. And of course, the photography industry does have that competitive side to it. There's really nothing we can do about it except to embrace our own stories that we want to tell, as you said, and to accept the fact that everyone has something unique to offer and to not give up on projects just because they've been covered multiple times by other people. And yeah, we, I think, often underestimate our own life experiences. Everyone truly is unique. <laughs> Nobody has lived the life that you have lived. Nobody has lived the life that I have lived. So it's worth embracing that side of yourself and knowing yep. that you have to know that you can offer something unique in any situation. Yes, definitely. And it's also really important to try out the type of work you think you're into. Like if, if you can get 
assignments or if you can just go dive deep into the action of making instead of thinking about it for too long. That's also really important. Absolutely. Yeah. You describe your work on your website as painterly. And you said that your mentor also said that your photographs had a painterly feeling to them, looked like paintings. You are influenced by Renaissance painters. And I can definitely see that in your photographs that you have a self-portrait on your website that really looks like a beautiful classic painting. And I would love to know more about your inspiration behind that and what photographers can learn from Renaissance painters in general. For me, the classic masters of painting are the, the biggest teachers in how to, how to look and how to observe. And it's because they, the use of highlights, the use of shadows, if you train yourself to look and to, to connect to what, what those, the chiaroscuro, what that creates in you, it's very powerful. Like it, at least for me, it just, it traps me into really intense emotions and there's a lot of drama and it's that is for me part of what storytelling is and it's it can be very simple like it, it can be as simple as standing next to a window and turning all of the lights in the room and just looking at what the harsh light does every time i look at classical renaissance paintings it's like this creative thing inside of me gets lit up all of these emotions come up and it's purely out of the use of aesthetics and and framing and that is what we do as photographers we're constantly looking and we're constantly making decisions of how we want something to feel or well at least that's what i do <laughs> um, i don't know if other photographers do that too but i think it's really important to be able to apply that knowledge because what they did was and um I, I don't know if you know this but a lot of the painters actually broke broke the laws of quote-unquote physics because they would or or light the way light bounces back and forth from a subject because some like goya would sometimes add highlights in places where there would there wouldn't be a light source and it just created this magic in his paintings mm. and i think we can do that as well as photographers um because in the end we're we're doing representations of the world we're i don't think we're actually looking at anything objectively everything that we do is purely subjective so if we can look at light and shadow and learn how to manipulate it we can actually bring out the type of feeling the type of emotion or the type of energy that we want and that is incredible it's definitely incredible and thank you for sharing all of that i didn't know that painters in the in the past did that it's uh it's cool <laughs> very yeah. exciting that is something they did because it's something photographers can definitely learn from and you're right shooting from one angle can create a completely different effect than shooting from a slightly different angle. All these decisions that we make have a huge impact on the final product. 
And there's so much beauty in that. And it really proves that every photographer that approaches the same subject, for example, will photograph it in different ways because they will use a different angle. They will use a different kind of framing. They will pay attention to different things. And so, yeah, it's limitless. And that's incredibly beautiful. And regarding paintings as well, I think it's fantastic that we can, as photographers, find inspiration in other forms of art, especially in paintings. The abstract paintings inspire me a lot. I don't, I can't really use any of the elements that I see in abstract paintings in my work, but there's something about that feeling that I want to create in my work sometimes that I feel when I look at abstract paintings. So it's, uh, it's amazing. We have all these resources that we can use that are not limited to photography. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's a huge world of inspiration. I'm really happy that you're so inspired by paintings and you've actually encouraged me to look for inspiration in that area too especially Renaissance paintings, they definitely have a lot of beauty in them. So thank you for sharing. You said that you often work with natural light and highlights and shadows are very important. I think we often take them for granted because it's just highlights and shadows and we see them in our daily lives all the time. And so in reality, those two things, those two elements can make a huge difference in our work and add depth to our our photographs and create emotions. Do you have any other tips for working with natural light? Anything photographers should keep in mind to create emotional photographs? I hope this is helpful. I think we all know this. If If we're photographers, we know this, but sometimes we forget that the lightest, the brightest point in your image will be where, usually where the eye jumps to. And you can use that basic human instinct to drive your photo, to make the conscious decision of where people will look at first. And that can be a really powerful um, non-physical tool to have. If you're pointing a highlight, be it to the back of someone's head or to the side, or you're highlighting parts of the body, or maybe there's like a something, a highlight falling in someone's face. You will know that the person who's viewing the photo will instantly out of reflex, jump there first. And through there, from that point of light, the gaze will will continue around the image. And for me, that is what can drive emotion. When I'm photographing, a big part of it is me trying to decide what I want to do with the highlights and and where within the frame the highlight should live for it to create whatever feeling, whatever sensation it is that I want, that I, I would like to create. I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> makes a lot of sense. And I've actually never thought about that. The highlights are the first thing that people look at. But it's true even in paintings. That's what I pay attention to first. As you said, it's human instinct. And it's really cool that we can sort of not manipulate that, but we can have an idea of what people will look at first. And based on that information, we can create photographs that hopefully convey the right feeling. And... That's very exciting to me, honestly. Uh, Thank you for sharing that. 
Yeah, and, and that's one of the reasons why I love the master painters, because they really knew that and they really used it for their work. Um, like a lot of the regal paintings, the really important figures are always shown almost like, you know, divine creatures just glowing. And then there's this dramatic use of low lights in, I don't know if you know the, the painting of, I don't remember the name, but this big god eating its children. Oh yeah, that scary painting. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. The highlights are, are not that distinguishable. They're a bit lower down and it creates this whole somber atmosphere. Whereas if you look at the, the meninas, the little, the child standing there with her beautiful dress, she's right at the front. She's fully highlighted and she glows basically. So we can 100% use the same principles for our images and create whatever scenario we want. Yeah. It's really powerful. It's an amazing skill. Once you master that skill, if you practice enough, then it will turn into something intuitive. And then you can use that skill to create very specific atmospheres using just natural lights. I mean, I know you can achieve this with studio lighting as well, but the fact that we can do this with natural light is absolutely amazing. Yeah, definitely. I usually ask my guests at the end uh, the one thing that they would like to achieve in this great big photography world. But in this case, I would like to ask you the thing that you're most proud of achieving in your life so far. You've achieved so much and photographed so many situations and met so many people. What is the first thing that comes to mind when you think of you know, your most memorable experience? Uh, I never fully thought that I would actually do a long-term project that would then have impact on, on a group of people. I think I, I always thought that that is something I wanted to achieve, but then when it happened, it almost felt a bit like, oh my God, this doesn't feel real. It's weird because once you do the things that you told yourself you wanted to do that felt unreachable, it's kind of sad that it becomes almost like, oh, okay, well, now it's done. But if I properly think about it, it's like, yeah, that's something to be proud of. Yeah, I agree with you. It can feel in the moment that it's just over and it happened and you're going through all the emotions of having completed a project. But in the long run, I think in retrospect, it can be a very powerful thing, especially yeah, long-term projects. They take a lot of time and energy, especially in the world of photojournalism. And so it's definitely something to be proud of, to have completed something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Great answer. And Daniela, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. It was a pleasure to meet you and I enjoyed learning about your life as a storyteller and photojournalist. Thank you for sharing so many interesting stories with me and so much advice. I really appreciate your time and I wish you the very best with your photography journey. Thank you so much. This was great. <laughs> Thank you. Likewise. I'm really grateful. Me too. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode with Daniela. 
I learned a lot from her, especially when it comes to the painting side of things. We can definitely learn a lot from master painters and other forms of art, and it's an amazing source of inspiration, especially if you're going through creative block. If you want to ask Danielle some questions or just want to share your thoughts on these episodes with us, we would love to hear from you. Make sure to join our online community. There's a link to it in the description. I'm sure you're going to meet a lot of amazing people there and have the time of your life. See you next week. Our photography community wouldn't be what it is without its amazing members. We're working on many exciting projects and have lots of great perks waiting to be discovered by you. For a small monthly fee, you'll receive all kinds of perks. If you join as an extraordinary member, you'll get an ad-free experience, access to every subforum, access to our 52-week project, the ability to connect with all of our members, and more. As a Limitless member, you'll get all of the perks that I just mentioned and access to all of our premium courses and Lightroom presets. This is the perfect opportunity for anybody who wants to elevate their skills without paying thousands of dollars for courses. We're sure that you'll love being a part of our community if you're a fan of this podcast. In addition to meeting new people, you'll learn something new about photography every day, which will help you improve quickly. It's also much more fun to take photographs when you have a group of amazing photographers supporting you. Go to photographycourse.net to find out more and to get 50% off your first year as a member. We can't wait to see you in our community. And again, just as a reminder, go to photographycourse.net slash join to claim your discount with the code GREATBIGPHOTOGRAPHYWORLD. We can't wait to see you there. There's a simple reason why photographycourse.net is the highest rated photography community in the world. It's because the people who use it made it that way. Why not join us right now? Improve your skills, get exposure, and discover an exciting new world of photography. While you're at it, claim your special discount code by going to photographycourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST to get 50% off your first year as a premium member.